So Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 35. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your kindness and your goodness that we can be in fellowship together in person. We pray you would be merciful to our church, that you would continue to protect us from both the evil one and this virus, so that we're able to meet in person, Father. We want to meet. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to come together in fellowship, um, in unity, in love and harmony. We want, to become, we want to come together, united together in Christ, and worship you yet in the body of Christ. So, Father, please help me now as I come to finish off this um, this chapter and help me to be clear and astute, but help us to listen. Help us to hear what your word has to say to our hearts. Our hearts can be stubborn. Our hearts can be selfish. Our hearts can be wicked and evil. They can be stiff-necked. Our hearts can be so focused on ourselves. But help us, Father. Please break down our hearts to become otherly, to love you and to love one another. Have mercy upon me now, Father. Have mercy upon us all. Again, I thank you and praise you that we can be here and we can have fellowship around your word. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys hear me? Is, is, this, is the mic on? I don't know if you want to just turn it up a little bit. Can you hear me now? Okay. All right. Well, we continue in Philippi. And we continue in the um, prison. And I'm looking at Paul the faithful servant. You know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, we are this last passage. Do we really need to preach on it? We actually kind of can read, know what it says. It's self-explanatory. They get let out of jail. They can go home, but they decide to go to Lydia's place. And there they have some fellowship. So why don't we move on to chapter 17? Well, we see here Paul as a, as a faithful servant. Paul, the faithful servant. Do we see ourselves as a faithful servant? A faithful servant at Robertson Reformed Community Church. The word faithful can mean that a person is faithful to an organization, to an activity, and they remain firm in their support for that organization, that person, or that activity. They remain faithful no matter what comes their way. They remain faithful to support, to, to be part of that organization, to be part of that person's life, or to be part of that activity. 
are we seen as a faithful servant? A great story is of Campbell Morgan. Maybe you haven't heard of him, maybe you have. Campbell Morgan was a, was a great preacher at Westminster Chapel. He became the mighty Campbell Morgan. He was there for 25 years. But before he went into the ministry, he went to a theological college for an interview at a very young age to say, God has called me to preach and pastor. He actually preached his first sermon at the age of 13. And this theological college says, sorry, we're not accepting you. We don't think you're going to be a preacher. We don't think you're going to be a pastor. You might as well go home and look for something else to do. He went home. Broken. But when he chatted with his dad, his dad said, Campbell, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. And what did Campbell Morgan do? Did he, did he throw the towel in? Did he walk away from the church? No. He remained faithful to his calling. And look what happened. He served in Westminster Chapel for 23 years until he handed over the baton to Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was there also for a very long time. He endured, no matter what came into his life, he remained firm in his support and love for the church. And how many of us, when, when we get involved in a church, and we and we there for a while, and something happens in that church, we walk away, we throw the towel in. Some of us are only in a church when things are going well. As soon as the rubber hits the road in the home, in the church, they're gone. Were they ever faithful to the church? Who were they actually faithful to? Themselves. Are we faithful to ourselves or are we truly faithful to God? Campbell Morgan showed who he was faithful to. The true living God. There's a beautiful quote, just reading around. There's a quote that says, Many Christians are spiritual sprinters. And I've seen it in this church as well. Many Christians are spiritual sprinters. They get involved, serve for a while with all their energy, but then go into spiritual retirement. God is looking for marathon runners, people who will run a long distance. And it is so beautiful when you hear pastors that have stayed in small churches for 30, 40 years preaching. Or, or a lady that teaches in a Sunday school and she's been there for 30 years doing the same thing every Sunday. And what do we see in her life? Thankfulness. But no, we get itchy feet. We, we, we lose interest. And then we want to do something better and better and better. God is not looking for that type of person. He's looking just for an ordinary man to share his extraordinariness in his life. Paul wrote in, 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 in his, one of his letters to the church of Corinth, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In some translations it says trustworthy. God desires us to be faithful, unwavering in our commitment to Him and to His church. 
He does not require brilliance or cleverness or creative popularity. Yes, he can use servants in this context. But he just wants a servant who is to be found faithful and trustworthy. Because to be faithful in your walk with God is essential. It's absolutely essential. Because John writes in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 10, Be faithful unto death, the Lord assures His followers, and I will give you the crown of life. The most important substance in our life is faithfulness. Are we faithful in our parenting, in our marriage, in this church? Are we faithful? It doesn't matter what goes on in your home or your marriage in a sense, but are you faithful? Do you remain firm? Jesus was a faithful man. And because he was faithful, he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled, him, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And because of his faithfulness, the Father highly exalted him and bestowed in him the name which is above every name. And Jesus Christ, we know, is seated on a white horse, and who sat upon it is called faithful and true. Like I said, faithfulness is essential. To be a faithful servant of God is essential to us receiving the crown of life. And Paul here shows his faithfulness. He shows he is a faithful servant. Just, just an example here. If you go and study, and just say at a university, you apply to do a law degree, and say it's five years, can you just do as you please in those five years? Can you come and go as you please to lectures, to exams? Can you ignore the syllabus? the lectures, the subjects you've got to study, can you just do as you please? No. There's an element of responsibility, there's an element of faithfulness to what you're going to do. It's the same thing in the church. This is probably the institution or the living organism or organisation that we actually don't treat seriously. We go to work Monday and Friday. We make sure we're at work. We make sure we do everything properly. But when it comes to Sunday, we treat the church so differently. We do as we please. We arrive as we please. We should arrive on a Sunday for one purpose. And we'll see these two things now worked out in Paul's life that made him a faithful servant. And that's what I want to do here in verses 35 to 40. I just want to look at two qualities that showed Paul as the faithful servant. And hopefully this will help us to see if we are a faithful servant. Do we measure up to Paul's life 
and Timothy's life and Peter's life and Campbell Morgan's life in our faithfulness to serve. Paul the faithful servant, Mark the faithful servant. Let's look at our first quality. And our first quality that is shown in Paul's life as the faithful servant was his concern. And we'll see that worked out in verses 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 35 to 39. But you might be saying, Mark, well, we just read verses 35 to 39, and I don't see anything about concern there. I just see a conversation going on, and Paul's allowed to go, but he doesn't want to go, and he calls the magistrate to come and let them go and apologize, etc. So, so what's going on there? Where, where is this concern that you talk about? Well, we'll see that now. The word concern means to worry about a situation. Paul is worried about a situation here. And how often we just read over verses 35 to 40 and we move on to the next chapter, not really looking at what is actually going on there. What is Paul concerned for? Paul sees a situation here that is important to be addressed. Faithful servants are committed to the well-being of other Christians, and especially new Christians. He has a church that has just been founded, and they're going to meet at Lydia's place. And we know a church is forming here through the preaching of the gospel. They heard, they heard the word, and they, they saved. Lydia saved. The jailer saved. And he has a church that's going to go on in the city of Philippi. It's a beautiful thing. God plants a city, and then comes, he plants a church. Just like he planted Robertson. Now he plants a church. And other churches as well, in different languages. But here he plants a church. And we know a church was planted. Because Paul wrote, 12, 10, 12 years later, the, the, the letter to the church of Philippi, the book of Philippians. Which is addressed to, to them. Paul, in his walk with God, knows that he has to learn to love and be otherly. He's made it his love and concern for them. This is how I came up with the first quality concern. Just reading around what's going on in this, this, this passage, um, one of the commentators said this in a very lovely way. Paul's concern Ever the faithful shepherd, concerned for his flock, Paul knew he had to take steps to protect the newborn Philippian church from official government harassment. And here in verses 35 to 36 of chapter 16, we read that the magistrate sent the police back to Paul and said, yeah, you guys can go. The magistrate have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But we see in verse 37, there's a problem. Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? Paul challenges these authorities 
with their own law. As a Roman citizen, they did wrong by beating him and Silas without a trial. What they did was illegal. It was unjust, unfair, like a lot that goes on in this world towards Christians. But it's all wrapped up in God's sovereignty and providence for the purpose of His glory going on in this world. Paul is not selfishly focusing on himself here, on his own rights. They're not demanding satisfaction for the abuse of their own personal rights. They're not drawing attention to themselves. It's amazing that God opened up the prison through an earthquake and said, Paul, you guys can go. No. Now the magistrates have said they can go. And they say, no. Twice he's been let out of prison, free. And twice he remains firm. Paul is thinking of others, not himself. This faithful servant of God is thinking otherly. He's thinking of the new Christians that have just heard the word. See, Paul's concern here that he doesn't want these new Christians to receive the same harsh treatment, abusive treatment, illegal treatment that he and Silas received. And especially new Christians that come into this church. If they just leave and go off quietly, they set a dangerous example for the abusive action for other missionaries, other new Christians that come into this church. This is crucial to the existence and growth of the Christian church in this place. Paul is wise. He's thinking bigger than himself. He's thinking of others. Paul's concern is for the protection and respect for the new Christians of Philippi. The illegal treatment to Paul and Silas carry the death penalty. That's why this magistrate is so worried. Because what he did, he was not supposed to do to a Roman citizen, which Silas and Paul were. Paul's not, going to, Paul's not allowing them to get away with, in, with their injustice. The magistrates must come, and they themselves must come, and show him and Silas respect for being Roman citizens. What was the magistrate's reaction when the police came and told them the news? When they went back to the magistrates? They were afraid. As you read that in verses 37 to 39, they were afraid and they came and apologized to Paul and Silas and asked them to leave the city. They got their attention. There was public acknowledgement of wrongful treatment by the magistrates. You might be thinking, why didn't Paul and Silas mention that they were Roman citizens before they were beaten with rods? Maybe they tried, but the shouting, they were drowned down. People were crying out with loud voices. They were beaten with rods. 
Like I said, maybe they were trying to tell the magistrate, listen here, we're Roman citizens. They weren't interested in listening to them. They were focused on, they were Jews. But we can speculate. There's silence here in one sense. Maybe Paul was saving that for this situation, knowing that other new Christians are going to be taken advantage of and abused physically, ill-treatment, beaten for the wrong cause. Paul's heart is filled with the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels him to do these things. He, we know what's in his heart. He, he writes to, to the Church of Rome in the book of Romans. He writes, let love be genuine. He's showing genuine love and concern for this church. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly love. He's showing brotherly love to this church of Philippi. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Paul, the faithful servant, did not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul was a very humble man. Proud people run. Humble people stay. And they're thinking of others. How can they help? How can they serve? He had a deep pain for, for churches. We know that he, when he wrote to, to when he wrote his actually it was his third letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28. He wrote, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety or of concern for all the churches. It's amazing when you read about Paul and you read about him writing what he writes in his letters. There's nothing about his accomplishments about him planting or building churches, any remarkable deeds that, that he might have performed, there's nothing that is drawing to him. If he does say one thing about himself, he says, if I boast, I boast in my weakness. None of us boast in our weaknesses. We all boast in our strength. We actually, yeah, because we are weak. We actually, yeah, because we are hurting. We're actually here because we need God's grace and mercy to help us every day. And we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be built up to be faithful servants. Paul, was, Paul felt deeply the pain and concern for new Christians and new churches. The reason is because they would be attacked by savage wolves. People within them would, would rise up and attack the church from within. From outside the church is attacked. And when you are attacked, we all know, when we go through suffering, when we go through trials, we become very quickly despondent, discouraged, irritable, frustrated, faint-hearted, weary. We just want to give up. 
That's why I can understand when I look at Joshua, this great leader, four times in one chapter, God reminds him, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Timothy's reminded a few times, be strong and courageous. We all should be strong and courageous. Jesus was concerned for his own people. We can read that in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 48, when when Jesus came to Jerusalem, he weeps over Jerusalem. He's concerned for them. Firstly, they denied him. He came to his own people and they did not know him and they rejected him as the Messiah. Because they're looking for a physical Messiah to come and relieve them from the oppression of the Romans. Paul, this is, this, yes, Paul's heart. Here's a picture of Paul's heart. If I read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Love, concern for the well-being of new Christians new churches Paul the faithful servant is concerned for the well-being of others especially new Christians shouldn't we have the same attitude surely we should be concerned for others like Jesus was he came and he got involved in individual lives he was caring sensitive a loving friend he personally interacted in the lives of others for their good. Surely we should be doing that. I'll paraphrase something that I read and I'll put it in my own words. So often we come to church and we think we've done our good deed. We waltz into the building, we sit down, listen and get back into the car to go about our own business. God help us if that is our perspective of what church should be. We should be concerned for Robertson Reformed Community Church. We should be concerned for the people in our church. We should be concerned for our community. This first quality should be seen in our lives. If it is, then we are a faithful servant, like Paul. In his humility, he always counted others more significant than himself. We'll look at the next quality, Lord willing, next Sunday, which is encouragement. That's also a serious quality, encouragement. We cannot be concerned for each other if we don't fellowship with each other. If we don't pray together, if we don't fellowship together, how can we be concerned for each other? You know what amazes me as a pastor? Someone phones you and they say, have you heard about so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so's not well 
I don't know. I haven't heard about so-and-so. If they don't phone me, it would be nice if someone just phoned and said, listen yeah, pray for so-and-so. Pray for them. Something's happened for, to them. It's like you, you're supposed to know. I'm not omnipresent. I'm just an ordinary man serving an extraordinary God. But are we concerned? We're going to reach a very interesting section in our home fellowship group soon in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, where we are told not to forsake meeting together, but encourage one another to love and good deeds. And the meeting together is not just the honor Sunday. The meeting together is every other meeting. Plus, are you taking out other Christians? Older men, are you taking younger men out and encouraging them? Are you concerned for their well-being? Older women, are you taking out younger women? Are you encouraging them? Are you concerned for their well-being? Are we working together in unity and love and harmony? Not just on a Sunday morning, but during the week. Or are we all chasing after our selfish ambitions? There's nothing wrong with having ambitions. But we're a family. And we should be loving and caring and concerned for one another. And is it easy? No. But we need God's grace. We need to be reminded to get out of our selfish rut and into the lives of other people and sow seeds and build them up. That's why we say into a body of Christ, not into an individualistic body where we remain individual. So this first quality that we've looked at in Acts chapter 16, verses 35 to 40, and the first quality came from verses 35 to 39, that is concern that showed Paul as a faithful servant. Do we see ourselves as a faithful servant concerned for others? There on the cross, by the blood of the Lamb, God showed, demonstrated His love, and yes, His concern for us. To save us and to rescue us from the wrath to come. And if God was concerned for us through and by the blood of Jesus, how much more should we be concerned for His church? And for what goes on in his church, the people in his church. A faithful servant will embrace the cross bearing death of Jesus. To be a faithful servant, to show concern for others as a faithful servant. Will we get on our knees, repent and ask God to give us the wisdom to be a faithful servant. Showing concern for others and Lord willing next week encouraging others. And how much encouragement did we need and do need still going through this time with this virus? Let us look to Christ. Let us embrace His love. And let us help each other to be a faithful servant of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You. We can look to You for wisdom. That we can look to You for guidance, direction. But we can look to you for help. Thank you, you've, you've sent the Holy Spirit, our helper, into our heart who can illuminate the scriptures and teach us your truth so we can walk in truthfulness, that we can walk in faithfulness.
showing concern for one another. Help me as a pastor, Father, to be concerned for starting with my own family and working out towards the church family and this community, both to the saved and the unsaved. Father, please stir us up to let go and deny ourselves and take up a cross daily and follow Christ as a faithful servant. Father, we thank you for Paul. He could have run. He could have just said to Silas, let's get out of here, Silas. Let's go to the next town. There's been enough trouble. No. Paul, humble, faithful servant, remains for the concern of the new church, the new Christians, because of his love for you, Father. Thank you that we see this in this man's life. Help us, Father, to embrace the blood of the Lamb who came to take away the sin of the world. Help us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.